be seated. And let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And if there's somebody on your heart this morning that you would like to uh, just shoot them a text and just tell them I love you and I'm praying for you and remembering you today, that might mean a lot to them. And uh, while we're doing that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we come before you today, we're reminded of the scripture that teaches us pray without ceasing. And I don't think any of us have mastered that yet. We're not even sure we really fully understand it, but we want to. We want everything we do to be a prayer. We want everything we do to remind us to give you praise, to give you thanks. We want everything that we see going on in the world to remind us of you and your sovereignty, of your prophecy, and of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. We want the people that we meet to be a, a reminder to us to pray for souls. To pray that men, women, boys, and girls would come to know Christ as Savior and Lord. We want to think about the fact that you brought the gospel to us and to always be amazed by your grace and to know that that grace can change anyone anywhere at any time and we thank you for that and it reminds us to pray for people in other lands and to pray for Christians in other lands reminds us to pray for missionaries today all over the world who are sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ I ask you to protect them and to strengthen them and to call out more you said the fields are ready white to be harvested but the laborers are few. And so, Lord, we're presenting ourselves today for whatever labor you may have for us in the field of harvest, asking you to send out others as well. And we come to you, Lord, because as we think about uh, the prayer request we heard earlier about Michelle's brother, we know that that could be multiplied hundreds and thousands, tens of thousands millions of times, even billions of times over around this broken, sinful, hurting world. And we want to pray that you would show your power by feeding those who are hungry, taking care of those who are homeless. We want to pray that you would give wisdom to those who are in government. We want to pray that you would give grace and protection to those in our military and their families as well as our law enforcement and first responders. We could go on and on. You know what we need, Lord. And we pray that we would be sensitive to be ambassadors for Christ and take every opportunity we possibly have to meet a need for the glory of God and to allow that to turn into a gospel conversation that people might be saved. Now feed our hearts today. Give us renewed minds. Give us hearts that are willing to obey. Give us grace by the Spirit of God to understand what you are saying to your people today. Thank you for our church. Thank you for the fellowship that we have and the privilege we have together together today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. If you would uh, take your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of 2 Timothy going to do something just a little different, no, a lot different today. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. And I uh, wrote something on uh, Facebook the other day that uh, had a whole lot more uh, response than I ever anticipated. 
A lot of people shared it. It went uh, uh, literally to other countries. And um, I felt impressed to take that, expand upon it, and as a shepherd today to talk to you about this because the Bible says, and we're going to read about it here in this passage, that in the latter days perilous times shall come. And I don't know where some of the people that you've heard preach and you see on TV, they talk about before the Lord comes, there'll be this great and wonderful revival. Um, I seem to see something a little bit different. And we shouldn't be surprised by upheaval. We shouldn't be surprised by problems. And sometimes they're uh, family turmoil that we face. Sometimes it's personal You'd be surprised what believers even are struggling with that they don't tell anybody about. Somebody sitting very near you may be really uh, struggling with something today that uh, they don't even want. And uh, they need your fellowship and they need your prayers as they go through it. But it also is a, we've seen cultural upheaval. I mean, even just uh, since the 70s and 80s, there are a lot of things that are just really, really different in our culture, in our world. And we have to be careful sometimes with the words that we say or the things that we express. And people just kind of trip all over themselves trying to say the right things. And sometimes the right words and the right phrases that are good today will be politically incorrect tomorrow. It's just a crazy world that we live in, not to mention suicide, not to mention drug and alcohol abuse and all of the other things that go on as well uh, in this world. And then we see it nationally. Uh, you look at politicians. I think there was a time when you could say even by, uh, vehement, start to say violent, vehement political enemies still had a few things in common. They wanted the best for the nation and they believed in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. I don't think we can say that anymore. Politicians very divided and a lot of different uh, philosophies and things that are, that are hitting even our government. And um, it, it, it causes confusion. We think about education. When it used to be, it was, you know, reading, writing, and arithmetic, right? And uh, now we are not real sure exactly what it is that our teachers are teaching and what they're supposed to teach. I can only imagine the battlefield that a Christian teacher, a Christian educator, must feel today in this cancel culture and when we're supposed to be woke and yet we seem to be more asleep than ever before. I, I think about what's going on internationally, this thing with um, the invasion of um, uh, Ukraine. I don't think anybody was horribly surprised by it because they've been talking about it and Russia has been putting troops on the borders of Ukraine for some time now and, and the intelligence community has probably uh, been seeing this. But uh, I think one of the things that I'm a little bit confused about is why in the world would uh, Putin be doing this? What is he wanting out of this? And I guess the easy answer is an expansion of land and going back to the Soviet Empire, the Russian Empire, and that type of thing. But it almost at the same time seems like there's going to be a high price for him to pay for all of this. It's probably going to wreck their economy and maybe ours too 
it uh, is going to make him to be isolated among world leaders and uh, credibility is going to be gone, suspicion will be higher. I don't know exactly how he'll handle all of that. But when I was thinking about all of that, I thought, who cares? It doesn't really matter whether we know or not. Here's the truth. God knows. And God knows exactly what he is doing in all of this and what is happening, why it's happening, what the purpose is behind it. In fact, I heard just this morning, Corey Ten Boom uh, lived in Holland back in the 1940s. And when the Nazis invaded her country and took over, she and her family became a part of the underground resistance to the Nazis, hiding Jews in their, uh, their home. They called it the hiding place. And it's estimated that there were uh, somewhere around 800 Jews that escaped to freedom and had their lives spared because of the Ten Boom family in the little room they called the hiding place. Well, she knew what hard times were because her country had been invaded. I think about the people of Ukraine. I cannot imagine seeing foreign airplanes flying overhead. I cannot imagine hearing the explosion of rockets a few miles from where I'm living. I can't imagine going into a subway tunnel and uh, hiding out. I, I, it, that, that just floors me what they're going through. But it also blessed me when I saw uh, on Facebook and Twitter a group of Ukrainian Christians singing in their language the song that we sing, He Will Hold Me Fast. What a great time to witness. What a great time to testify of faith. And that's what God does during hard times. But going back to Corey Tin Boom, she and her family were caught. They were arrested, put in a concentration camp. Her father died within a few months. Her sister died uh, uh, later after that. And she alone survived the concentration camp. And she lived to be in her 90s. She died sometime in the 80s after immigrating to the United States. And here's a, a statement that she made. And this is a good word for us today as we get ready to read the scripture. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future into the hands of a known God. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future into the hands of a known God. And what she is saying there is nothing that we know really matters except this. We know the God who rules and reigns and is in control. And we rest safely in Him. So with that being said, let's take our Bibles and let's look at this passage in 2 Timothy 3. Paul said, but know this. That makes it pretty important, right? This is not just for preachers or theologians or Bible scholars or deacons or Sunday school teachers. This is for all of us. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. In fact, uh, in another book, I think it's Colossians, he calls it this present evil age. Um, this is a perilous time in which to live. Verse 2. How does he describe it? For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, 
despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form or the outward display of godliness, but denying its power. It's just a mask that they put on, in other words. Now, I look through that, and you know what I think about each thing that he said? Check, 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 check. That's the world in which we live. Now, to be fair and honest, it's probably always been the world that has existed. But boy, it is out of the closet and out from uh, under any kind of pretense now. This is the world in which we live. This is the nation in which we find ourselves. This is the culture in which we are embroiled. And so uh, the Bible says, and from such people turn away. And he's speaking to a pastor in a church, and you don't want that going on in your church. That's the kind of stuff that we ought to be exactly the opposite of. We love God more than we love our pleasure. He is the supreme love of our life. And we need to make sure that that's happening, especially during these perilous times. And um, back in uh, World War II, they wrote a song, In times like these, you need a savior. And uh, that is true even today as we see history kind of repeating itself. It kind of gets my attention in my uh, very short and brief life. Um, people say, I can't believe you have, uh, you're going to have ten grandkids. I can't either because Sammy and I are far too young for that. And, um, but in my brief, tender lifespan, I think back about what it was like in the late 70s. And there was upheaval and concern about the government, the president, and the White House. There was an energy crisis, and uh, not only was uh, gasoline prices, not only had they gotten high, but they had become scarce. And some of you remember when you would go to a gas station and they only served uh, or, or had gas there on odd and even days, or maybe they went by your license tag number. We lived in California then, and you would go in, and whether your license tag, the last number was odd or even, depended on whether you could get gas or not those type of things. I remember when the gas pumps did not even go to a dollar a gallon. You remember that? And when they first went up over a dollar, you had to uh, put your gas in and then you had to watch the, the numbers turned at that time. And you would have to watch because whatever that said, it was double what that. And I remember putting gas in one time and forgetting that and going, ah, and I stopped just in time because I barely, is that a gibble gas? Remember those? And uh, barely had enough money to pay for that. I think about the sexual revolution that was going on in the 60s and the 70s. I think about, uh, all, you know, so many things that seem to be parallel. The Cold War that was going on then. And all of those things seem to be kind of resurfacing, don't they? And we look at the times where we thought in the late 80s that with communism falling apart, we thought that's the end of communism and socialism. Boy, don't we wish? And we never saw it really rising up like it has in recent days in our own nation. For our own children and grandchildren would identify themselves as socialists. There were times back then when 
Uh, people would go to Sweden for a sex change operation and then now look at the way things are here. And um, we don't know up from down. We don't know evil from good. And it seems like a lot of things are kind of recycling. Well, they say history repeats itself. And if you don't learn from history, then you're doomed to repeat it. And I think we're kind of going into a repeat of some of those things that we saw when uh, I was a teenager. And I don't look forward to some of those things. But I can also testify of this. Even back then with high interest rates and tremendous inflation. Um, we talk about prices going up now. But it's not uh, you know, quite like it was back then. And interest rates. You know, uh, I can remember when interest rates on a mortgage would be anywhere from 12 to 20% in the late 70s and early 80s. We can't even fathom that now in these days of 3% and less. I mean, a lot of things, we are seeing them come back again. And you know what? We are here as a testimony. You can survive hard times. You can make it through the hard times. President Roosevelt, back at the beginning of his first term during the uh, outbreak of the Depression, said the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And there's some truth in that. And uh, we understand that there are concerns that we have, and we ought to be concerned. We're the people of God, and we have the heart of God, and this stuff is not supposed to be something that we're laissez-faire about. Be involved where you can, like Corey Tinboom was. But at the same time, don't let fear and anxiety control you in all of this. Because you may not understand and political leaders may get it all wrong and they may even do the wrong things or even sometimes they do the right things. Political leaders are kind of like a stopped clock. Even a stopped clock is right twice a day, right? And uh, so sometimes they stumble into some good things by the grace of God. But whether they do or not, God knows exactly what he is doing. The devil is not winning. The devil has not uh, taken over the plan of God and hijacked it or anything like that. He can only do what God allows him to do. And he becomes an unwilling servant of God in the meantime. And so what are we to do? We walk by faith and not by sight. And so some things that struck me as I thought about these things is that uh, this is going to begin and it's going to end with God. It's kind of a, a sandwich and everything in between we're going to see God first, and then we're going to end up talking about God, and that's the way really our life ought to be. Number one, understand that God is ruling as king. And regardless of what we see, what we feel, or what we even think about things, God is the one who is in control. And ultimately, only he knows what is really happening and why it is happening and what the outcome is going to be. Is it going to be World War III? I don't know. I could see that happening eventually, but maybe not. I've seen a lot of things in my lifetime that were predicted to be World War III and then they fizzled like a, a dud firecracker on the 4th of July. Uh, God is in control of all of this stuff. And sometimes we look and we say, well, if we had a different president, yeah, but we don't. And why don't we have it? Well, it's because of, of voters and all of that. No, not according to the Bible. Why is Mr. Putin in control in Russia? Why is the president in um, Ukraine? 
Why is he still in power? And man, I've been impressed by that guy. Why is that? Well, the Bible says in Daniel 2, 21, and he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. Kind of sounds like Romans 13, doesn't it? This is all by the plan of God. He gives wisdom to the wise. And I used to think that meant if you were wise, he would give you wisdom. I don't think that's what he's saying. I think he's saying that if you find a wise person, their wisdom came from God. He gave it to them. And knowledge to those who have understanding. So if you find anybody who has understanding, that came from God. In fact, when Jesus is on trial before Pilate in John 19, 11, and Pilate kind of tries to pull a little bit of rank on Jesus... It says, Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. If I wish our world leaders and our national leaders, our governors, our state legislators, our mayors, city council people, school board members, all of those, I wish they would understand that one thing you would have no power over me at all, authority over me at all, unless it had been given you from above. And in that is a statement of, number one, you ought to be humble, and number two, you better be careful, because number three, you are accountable to a higher power. And so we've got to remember all of that that goes on. God will speak, God will move, God puts people in places and he takes him out of places of authority and so we rest and we trust in him because they're not really in control of anything it's God who rules and reigns over all even over them and they rule at his pleasure and they will be removed whenever he is ready for them to be removed so this all points us to God number two I want us to think that uh, in spite of everything you hear on the news, I mean, my goodness, I heard uh, <clears throat> one person talk about 6 and $7 a gallon gasoline. Well, I don't want that any more than you do. And uh, then at the same time, there's part of me that says, take a deep breath, Greg, calm down. How many times have we heard this before and it didn't materialize? Uh, we don't know what's going to happen. I heard somebody else talking about the cost of fertilizer for our farmers who grow our food rising 300% this next year. Think that'll have any effect on the cost of food or the food supply? Maybe even how much food? Well, it could. It could. We think about inflation as it goes up and up and up, the highest now in 40 years. What's that going to do to our buying power? Is it going to affect it? Yeah, I think it already has. And if it gets worse, then it'll do it even more. So what, what does that say to us? What's the word that we have? Panic? Be afraid? No, the Bible says that, number two, God has promised to meet our needs. And we've got to really stand on that and camp on that. And, of course, I emphasize needs, not greeds. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And if you'll read the verses just above that, Paul talks about this church 
that was a giving church. In other words, this is not the time to stop being generous. This is not the time to quit giving to the work of the Lord or to the local church or anything like that. God blesses those who give according to this context. Psalm 84, 11, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. We need both of those things right now. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So what's our responsibility? Walk uprightly. And we'll trust God to take care of every need that we have individually and as families and uh, even in our church family as well. And thirdly, this is something that I have seen since I was a kid. My dad was kind of a Bible prophecy uh, nut in some ways. And uh, he used to get things all the time about Bible prophecy. And one of them was right here in Oklahoma City, Southwest Radio Church of the Air. A guy named David Weber would send out this newspaper with, I mean, I was convinced the rapture was going to take place uh, before I graduated high school. And they saw the second coming of the Lord and everything in things like killer bees coming up from Mexico and stuff like that. I don't remember all of it. And um, there's always somebody that stands to make a buck by having some secret word, some mysterious word, and they're going to write a book, or they're going to make a movie, or they're going to do something about it, and those things just come and go and come and go and prove to be, most of the time, highly inaccurate because there's a lot about the second coming of Christ that we surmise but don't fully understand And there are some things, though, that are crystal clear about the second coming of the Lord. And we need to camp on those things. So be careful. What does this have to do with biblical prophecy? I have no idea other than the Bible seems to indicate the rise of Russia in the latter days. But how it affects Ukraine, how it affects what we are doing right now, I have absolutely no idea. I knew people back in 1989, I believe it was, when the Soviet Union collapsed, that were just panicky. What am I going to do about my uh, eschatology? And it's like, well, the Bible's still true. And just because the Soviet Union's gone doesn't mean that Russia is gone. And so we see the rise of that now. And so there are some things we don't know. So be careful about trying to find it. People tried to find it in COVID and everything like that. There are just some things that we don't know. Rest on what you do know and be careful about that. In Matthew 24, the Lord Jesus says that, uh, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ or I'm from the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Check that off. See that you are not troubled. Let that sink in. See that you are not troubled. In other words, that's not yours to worry about, folks. For all these things must come to pass. And then he says something here that puts on the brakes. But the end is not yet. Okay, let that sink in. We're far too quick to put on our white robes and go stand on top of a mountain and wait for the Lord to come back. And people have done those kind of things, literally, 
And people have also done those things figuratively only to look foolish after a while. The end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. Now listen, all these things are but the beginning of sorrows. So Jesus said, this is going to happen. This is going to be the norm in the world. And it was normal a thousand... These things were happening a thousand years ago. These things were happening 500 years ago. These things were happening 40 years ago. And they're happening today. They're just the beginning. The end is not yet. In other words, the coming of Christ, His second coming... It's not going to sneak up on you and you're not going to be left out on it. It's not yours to worry about. Be aware. Understand what the Bible says. Camp on the certainties. But stay away from all of the speculation. There's supposed to be some mystery involved in this so that we don't know exactly when it happens so that we are always ready when it happens whether it's today or whether it is 500 years from now. Okay? Number four, plan for economic difficulty. I think the handwriting's on the wall. We're getting ready to come into some hard times. And if you're just flying by the seat of your pants, if you're just doing whatever and spending and racking it up on credit cards, oh, I'll pay it back later, uh, this might get, be getting ready to bite you pretty hard. This is a time to kind of clamp down. This is a time to uh, plan for what we're going to do. And uh, as we plan and as we save and as we're ready for a rainy day, keep in mind, it's not just about hoarding up stuff so that you have them. It's maybe uh, getting extra stuff so that when hard times do hit, if they do, that you have something to share. It's having enough so that you can not only meet the needs of your family, but maybe meet the needs of a neighbor, meet the needs of a friend, meet the needs of a co-worker, and uh, have an opportunity to share Christ with them and show them the love of Christ as well as meeting the needs of somebody in the church. In the book of Acts, the early church, whenever they saw somebody in need, they would sell whatever they have and then give the money to that person that was in need. And that's the way that we are supposed to function, of course. Always ready to help, always ready to give, always ready to share. And as times get harder, then you've got to plan more for those kind of things. And so it's a great opportunity. Proverbs chapter 21 verse 20 says, There's desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise. But a foolish man squanders it. Some translation says, But a fool devours all that he has. So don't live feast or famine in your house. Oh, if I've got money, let's go out and eat. And let's take trips and let's do all of that. And then go gulp. How are we going to pay for our car insurance? How are we going to pay our taxes? How are we going to do it? You've got to plan for those kind of things, especially to be able to help others. Matthew chapter 5, 16, Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. In other words, hard times come so that Christians might shine brightly. Okay, keep that in mind. Number five, we don't want to forget to pray. Our leaders need it. The people of Ukraine especially need it right now. We all need it. This is not a time to back off. This is a time to intensify our prayer life 
and to get more serious about it and actually put ourselves in the shoes of other people. And this is something I think we need to think about. What if it was your family that was hunkered down in a subway tunnel with rockets and bombs going off around you? What would you want other people to do for you? How would you want them to pray? How intensely would you want them to pray? You know, it's easy for us to think about people in distress at uh, certain times and in certain situations, but it's also easy for us to kind of forget it and live our own lives. Well, put yourselves in their shoes. They don't ever forget about it. They are constantly faced with it, and they probably would appreciate you thinking about them as well. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, Therefore I exert, exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, and intercessions, and giving of thanks, boy, that kind of got me, be made for all men. I'm not always thankful for all men, are you? And then he says, for kings. I'm supposed to be thankful for kings, even enemies of our nation. It's kind of what it says, isn't it? For kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in godliness and reverence. The book of Proverbs chapter 21 verse 1 reminds us, the king, even Mr. Putin, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. Do you realize that today if God said, okay, that's enough of that, he could turn Mr. Putin's heart to the point that he would cause a retreat. He can do the same thing with Mr. Biden. He can do the same thing with anybody you can name anywhere. He holds their heart in his hand. How does, uh, he says he turns it like the rivers of water. How do rivers change their courses? Time and pressure and erosion. Think about that. Through time, through pressure, and through the eroding of power, things can change rather quickly and rather rapidly in the minds of rulers and politicians, especially those who are fearful about the next election. This is all in the hand of the Lord. Understand that. And number six, learn. I saw a lot of people that uh, when they were getting ready to vote, you would hear them on TV and you would talk to some of them, they didn't really know what Mr. Trump or Mr. Biden stood for, all they knew is they didn't like Mr. Trump. And so they were voting against a personality. Now the polls are showing that minds are being changed about all of that, that maybe that wasn't the vote they really would have wanted. Well, regardless of what you think or what side you're on like that, it does show something. Sometimes we are more swayed, listen, by personality than we are by policy. And I don't care how nice a rattlesnake is, don't pet it, okay? And some people think they can go up and they can make friends with the rattlesnake. If they feed the rattlesnake, if they're nice to the rattlesnake, and if the rattlesnake seems to be nice to them, beware of those kind of things. Politicians are snakes, and they're in both parties. And they know how to say what you want to hear. And they know how to smile and kiss your babies and all of that kind of stuff. And then turn vicious when they get to Washington. 
And we've seen that. I am a conservative Republican. Make no apology for that. And I get really, really, really tired of voting for people who say they agree with me. And then they get to Washington and they vote completely against me. Don't you get tired of that? And so what I'm saying is we've got to look at people's policies. And we've got to look at who they surround themselves with. No matter who they may seem to be and what they may seem to say, look, look at the person. If he's a free market person and yet his advisors are communist, watch out. And we don't pay near enough attention to those kind of things. And so we need to learn on all of that. It's not about personality or anything like that. You may like them, you may not like them. It's about how they're going to govern and how they're going to spend money and how they're going to handle taxation and how they're going to handle the military and all of those kind of things that come up. And they need our prayers. But don't take that to be just a presidential thing. That also applies to our governor. That also applies to mayors. That also applies to those who serve on school boards. That also applies to judges at each and every level. They need to be on our mind. The uh, Bible is really clear in the Old Testament that when God is judging a nation, he gives them weakened leaders at every level. People that can't think, people that can't reason, people that are easily swayed, people that will take bribes, people that don't have principles that they will stand on. And I found a verse in Isaiah chapter 3, verse 4. This is God speaking. I will give children to be their princes, and babes shall rule over them. Okay. Well, I thought, well, I need to study that because uh, that could mean that just kings and queens are going to have babies that are princes and those kind of things. And uh, sometimes babes shall rule over them. I think about, you know, a, a king of Judah who was eight years old. I mean, is that what, what that means? And in um, Albert Barnes' commentary on this, he said what I suspected, not children in respect to age so much as in regard to talent for governing. Mm. I will commit the land to the government of weak and imbecile. You don't hear that word very much anymore, do you? Princes. And this would naturally occur when the wise and great were removed. Aren't we seeing that kind of thing at every level of government in our nation and even around the world? Where are the statesmen? Where are the Winston Churchills? Where are the people that will stand up for what is right? Where are those that are willing to die for what they believe? I think that's what has impressed me about the president of Ukraine that guy is willing to die for what he believes and to die for his people. When is the last time you've seen any politician like that? The head of Afghanistan sure wasn't. I mean, he got out of Dodge as quick as he could and took all the money with him. And yet there's a guy over there today that is being an example. He said, I will stand and fight with my people. God bless a man like that, right? And that's the kind of people that we're looking for, not babies who could be swayed by anybody who talks to them or anybody who will reward them or bribe them. 
We need people who are principled and who will stand and who will be firm and their word will be their bond. Number seven, we need to, and I think this is a real temptation for us, we've got to reject fear. Don't do anything by fear. Some people are pulling all their money out of the stock market because they're afraid of what's going to happen. Fear seems to rule the day. Other people are buying gold because they're afraid of what the dollar is going to do. And on and on we can go. Don't, don't live and operate by fear because you'll almost always be wrong. Philippians chapter 4 is still in the Bible. Verse 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. Don't live by fear. Pray. Rest in the Lord. Trust in Him, as we said earlier. Because Job chapter 3, verse 25. How did the devil know where to attack Job? Well, he tells us. Job says, and I quote, And what I dreaded has happened to me. How did the enemy know how to attack him? He attacked him in the areas of his fear. Fear is like putting a red cloth in front of a bull. Charge! And the enemy watches you. The demons of hell know and they stir up things in your life. And some things you're afraid of. It's kind of like going over the top of a steep roller coaster. Some people are afraid and some people are not. It brings it out. Jumping out of an airplane. Some people are afraid, some people are not. It brings it out. And the enemy watches you in certain situations to see whether, okay, they're not afraid of that. Okay, leave that alone. Oh, they are afraid of that. Hit them hard there. And they, uh, fear exposes your vulnerabilities. Well, that's why the Bible tells us so many times, don't be afraid. Do not fear, the scripture says. Okay? And the last thing is, if you're a believer, then it's time to get right with God and to get serious about serving Him. Uh, it's always that time. Always that time. But if there's ever been a time, it's now. It is now. Quit playing around. Quit being half-hearted. If you've dropped out of church because of COVID, quit being afraid of COVID and get back in church. If you're not a giver to the work of the Lord, it's time to start giving to the work of the Lord. If you're a person who likes to just sit and watch and let other people do all the volunteering and do all the praying and other people do all of the work, it's time to stop and it's time to get involved. Don't say you care and don't say you're concerned if you're not going to put your hand to the plow and not look back, as the Lord Jesus says. And if you're not a believer, can I remind you that the Bible says... It's not about how good you are or think you are. And it's not about how much charitable work or even religious work you do. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. Then you read in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you will confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And there's a promise in Romans 10, 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
I'm telling you, we started off by saying we've got to remember God's in charge and he rules. And we end by saying, you got to believe. Christians, you got to believe like never before and act on that because we walk by faith and not by sight. And if you're an unbeliever and you've never repented of your sins and trusted in what Jesus did on the cross as full payment for your sins, that he rose from the dead and that he's Lord of all, now is the time to trust him as Savior and Lord. Because, going back and quoting the old song, in times like these, you need a Savior. And my prayer is that if you've got any questions about that, Brother Chad Trench is sitting right down here uh, on this, I guess it's actually second row. Uh, Brother Chad, would you just wave your hand so everybody can see, see him? Come talk to him and he'll get you with somebody who can answer your questions and can talk to you about things like church membership and baptism and those kind of things. But none of those things matter until you actually get saved, till you're born again, until you know Christ as your Savior and your Lord. That is the most important thing. And far too many people are neglecting it, not paying attention to it, taking it for granted. And I'm calling on everybody today, whether you're watching online or whether you are here in the auditorium today, don't take it for granted. Make your calling and election sure. Because in times like these, you need a Savior. And thank God the Father, we have a Savior in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? That's where our hope is. Let's pray together. Father, our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. And far too many people today are trying to build their house on the shifting sand of culture, on feelings, on intuition, on the media, all of these kind of things that we find that are just so completely worthless. We need to build our house upon the rock, the Word of God, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, that's my prayer today, that the Holy Spirit would bring conviction to those who are lost and bring affirmation to those who are saved for the glory of Christ. Bless our leaders. Bless our world. Bless those who are suffering today. And bless us that we might respond and live as believers in a troubled world in these perilous times. And Lord, we thank you that you are greater than our failures, greater than our fears. You're greater than the government. You're greater than international powers. You are God. You reign supreme. And we hold to you and rest in you today. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for your time. And thank you so much for your attention today. And uh, we are so glad to know that we stand on solid ground.